Hello, and welcome to the Green Book Commentaries podcast. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. Volume 14, Episode 20, Germs, Parasites, and Climate Change. Doctors of Chiropractic and Student Initiates, welcome back and thank you for joining me. Last time, we discussed dieting as a treatment for disease. I received a lot of messages about this topic and would like to take a moment to address a question that one of our listeners asked. Our question comes from Dr. Sarah, who practices in New Jersey. She asked, is there anything wrong with combining chiropractic adjustments with supplements when treating patients who you feel may need them? Dr. Sarah, that's a great question, and I'm sure there's a lot of other chiropractors who are asking the same question. Let's explore this concept and see what we find, shall we? Chiropractic is based upon the principle that a vertebral subluxation is the cause of all dis-ease. Dis-ease is a state that a tissue cell finds itself in when it is lacking a 100% supply of innate mental impulses. This causes the tissue cell to function abnormally and given time even affects the sound structure of the tissue cell. So let's say that this specific subluxation was affecting the nerve supply to the heart, causing hypertension. What would happen if a chiropractor adjusted the patient and treated the hypertension directly, using such common supplements as magnesium and vitamin D? If the chiropractor adjusts the subluxation that is causing hypertension and permanent damage hasn't occurred to either the nerves or cardiac tissue cells, then innate will be able to restore blood pressure to normal levels given time. Now, let's introduce magnesium and vitamin D into the body as supplements and discuss the two potentials. If the patient is lacking magnesium and vitamin D so that their normal levels are below par, then you have done good, as balancing these will also help restore normal blood pressure, in addition to the chiropractic adjustment. However, what if the patient has normal magnesium and vitamin D levels, and you now introduce more into their system? Remember how we said two episodes ago that every rose has its poison? Too much or too little of anything that a tissue cell needs in its metabolism will affect its function, so that if it gets too much, a state of poisoning develops. And if too little, a state of starvation occurs. So if supplements are given when a patient is not deficient, they are actually causing poisoning. In the case of treating hypertension with magnesium and vitamin D, it will work. However, it is too much, so you'll notice that blood pressure drops, but has trouble elevating to adapt for increased levels of physical activity. 
This is your patient who complains that it's difficult to maintain high energy levels when they get active and may even have a general drowsy feeling when they're at rest. While the hypertension was helped, you now create a condition of hypotension, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So is supplementation treatment even necessary then? Well, when in doubt, test. I recommend a simple blood test to determine if any values are low. Only then can you, as the doctor, make an objective decision based upon objective testing. Similar to chiropractic analysis, do you think there's a subluxation at T6 just because it feels stuck and the patient is wincing around when you palpate the tender spinous process? Put a nerve meter on T6 and you'll know for sure. Dr. Sarah, I hope that this has helped shed some light on your question and thank you once again for asking. Now, let's get into today's material. We're going to explore how external factors affect the internal environment of the tissue cell when its resistance has been lowered due to subluxation. But before we do so, we need to touch up on exactly what is meant by tissue cell resistance. When a tissue cell receives 100% supply of innate mental impulses, it functions perfectly and is able to adapt to various factors acting upon it, whether it be changes in temperature, an influx of germs, or the attack of a parasite. All this within the limitations of the tissue cell's structure. With that understanding, let's start with climate change. <clears throat> It's a hot summer day here in Charlotte, North Carolina, with temperatures hanging out in the 90s for most of this summer. Then when September rolls around, it suddenly gets cold for a few days before suddenly heating back up and then and go then through this temperature tug of war until it gets cool more consistently in October. Since tissue cells are very delicate structures, a sudden shift in temperature can affect its health when a subluxation is present. For example, if it goes from cool to hot from one day to the next, this will cause a sudden increase in tissue cell temperature. Since it takes about 72 hours for a complete serous circuit, the tissue cell doesn't have time to adapt fully. This causes NA to increase water traveling through the body in order to cool tissue cells. However, this now creates an imbalance in the quantity of serum that actually reaches the tissue cell. What is one possible symptom your patients will complain of? Well, ask your seasonal allergy patients and they will all complain of an acute flare-up, congestion, sinus headaches, coughing and sneezing. During this time, it's important to stay in adjustment and properly hydrated. So, NA can best adapt to the internal So, NA can best adapt the internal to the external. The seasonal allergy patient who stays in adjustment will feel their best as NA transitions the serum to better meet the demands of the tissue cell.
wash your hands, wash your hands. You don't want to give germs to your friends. Any parent today should easily recognize that fun, fun song sang by Disney's Doc McStuffins character. Since their discovery with the microscope, the germ became the medical culprit for a wide range of diseases, ranging from hypertension to halitosis. However, it has also been shown that germs are everywhere and in everyone. Well, except that countersurface you just sprayed an antibacterial on, and that only lasts up to 24 hours until germs return. So what gives? If germs caused disease, we would all be sick and dead. Yet, we're not. Germs are like scavengers, seeking dead organic matter to consume. Much like the vultures circling around a dying horse in the desert. The vultures couldn't kill a living horse if they tried. However, once the horse is dead and cannot resist, only then does the vulture begin to tear away at the flesh and break down the body until only bone remains. In similar manner, germs are circling our living body at all times, waiting for internal resistance to lower so that its function may be fulfilled to break down dead tissue cells. What lowers a tissue cell's resistance, you may ask? Is it not a subluxation? Assuming more tissue cell damage hasn't been done than innate can repair, a chiropractic adjustment for the causative subluxation is able to restore a germ-infected patient back to normal. <clears throat> One such patient I had was a 9-month-old who suffered from recurrent staph infections on the skin all up and down her arms. She would scratch at them, causing them to bleed, and in turn spread the infection along her skin. The dermatologist had been treating with a topical medication, which only reduced the infection but never fully resolving it. This had all been going on since the child was five months old. When the parents brought her to me, I had checked for a subluxation and found one in her upper neck, confirming nerve pressure with instrumentation. I adjusted Atlas ASR. I heard and felt the vertebra unlock. I then rechecked the child's neck with instrumentation, confirming all the nerve pressure was adjusted out. The parents continued to bring the child in once per week for six weeks. Each week, the infection looked better and better. By week five, you could not tell that there was anything wrong with the previously infected skin. One adjustment, no more subluxation, no more infection. Adjust the cause and all else follows. So, we know that innate can handle germs in preventing an infection, as well as restoring from an infection. However, how does innate deal with organisms that you can't fit under a microscope? Is innate capable of dealing with parasites? A parasite is an organism that feeds upon a living host, or materials prepared by the host for its own use. Whereas germs can only invade dead tissue cells, 
parasites may thrive in people who are apparently healthy. However, despite a lack of symptoms, there is still a lowered resistance of tissue cell, allowing for a parasite to take hold. Dr. Stevenson wrote in volume 14 that innate is capable of dealing with parasites, and this is evident by the secretions made which act upon the parasite. What secretions exactly? Innate secretes IgE antibodies, which in turn react with the parasite to form immune complexes that are bound by macrophages. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Here's where chiropractic, once again, was ahead of its time. Volume 14 was first published in 1927, and Stevenson wrote then that adjustments help people with tapeworm. The immunoglobin IgE was not discovered until 40 years later in 1967. Dr. Palmer taught the principle, even if it was just in theory, that innate had a response for parasites and that through secretions, even though unknown in the 1920s, could eliminate such parasites. Palmer then showed by applying that theory through the chiropractic adjustment that it was correct and that it did work. When we return, we'll begin our reading from Volume 14. Welcome back. We now begin our reading from Volume 14, page 138. Article 182, Air as an Environmental Factor. Air may poison a body of lowered resistance when it is impure containing too much carbon dioxide, not enough oxygen, too much oxygen, substances injurious to the lungs, or effluvia of dead things. Air containing too much carbon dioxide or not enough oxygen poisons by asphyxiation. <clears throat> it may contain injurious germs or poisonous gases. It may contain solid materials that injure the lungs, as the air in factories, mines, and smoky cities. The effluvia of dead things is unfit to enter the lungs of the human. Such an environment is unfit for the human organism. It requires too much adaptation. Innate worms educated mind by smell, sight, etc. <clears throat> Article 183, Climate as a Factor of Environment. Adverse climate can poison a body with lowered resistance by imposing extraordinary adaptation. A rapid change of temperature closes the pores of the skin too suddenly, and before compensation can be made via the serous circulation, which as you remember, requires 72 hours to make a complete cycle. Some tissue cells have been made unsound by the retained poisons. When the weather is extremely hot, overheating the body calls for extreme adaptation. And besides, the heat cannot be dissipated fast enough. 
Tissue cells are, after all, very delicate structures, and it does not require much above the normal temperature to injure them. In order to dissipate great heat from the body in an overheated environment, the adaptability of the human body is often overtaxed. The attempt by innate to do this causes excess traveling of water through the body, which is not good for the tissue cells. Adverse climate may make the atmosphere too humid, lessening the amount of oxygen in a cubic foot of atmosphere, and making it difficult for the body to perspire, since perspiration depends upon evaporation. This also retains too much heat in the body. All in all, it requires too much adaptation, or too sudden adaptation to be healthful. Article 184, Hygiene and Sanitation as Environmental Factors. Poor hygiene and bad sanitation can poison the body with lowered resistance by imposing too much adaptation, if not by actual direct poisoning. They can poison the air or pollute the water and taint the food. In such environments, poison germs breed Human excreta, if kept on the body or kept too near it, has the same effect upon the body that the excreta of a cell has upon the cell, if not removed from it. Keeping perspiration and other waste materials from leaving the surface of the body poisons the serous circulation. If the body does not get enough light, it is injurious for light gives something to the body that is almost as necessary as air. Innate warns educated mind by discomfort, sight, smell, etc. Article 185. Effluvia as an environmental factor. Effluvia is poisonous gas from putrid and decaying organic matter. We pointed out that Na cannot use decomposing matter in metabolism when introduced by impure foods. It is just as true in regard to air. The poisonous gases entering the lungs can poison the serous circulation. Na certainly warns not only by sight and smell, but by an innate fear of the dead. Article 186 germs as a factor of environment. Germs can poison a body of lowered resistance when they are too numerous or by their excreta when they are numerous or when they are the poisonous kind. The, there are such things as germs. Chiropractic does not deny their existence as is so frequently reported. It would not deny them any more than it would deny any other laboratory finding. As in regard to other laboratorical findings, the chiropractic view is different from that of the medical world. Chiropractic recognizes that some germs are beneficial and necessary. Some are necessary to human life, necessary as food. Parts of the human body are germs. The body develops from a germ itself. Water is better for drinking when it has some kinds of germs in it, but all germs are not beneficial to the body. Some are poisonous. Some are harmless scavengers 
but their excreta may be poison. Some of the scavengers are harmless enough when not numerous, but poison the body by the presence of great numbers. There are both vegetables and animal germs. Chiropractic holds that germs are scavengers, that they gain no foothold in the body in sufficient numbers to poison it as long as there is no abnormal tissue or abnormal secretions for them to thrive upon. As scavengers, they are beneficial to the body and cause no harm as long as there are not too many. They do not cause the abnormal tissue upon which they thrive. The diseased condition comes first, offering a breeding ground for them. Article 187. Parasites. Parasites are organisms that feed upon their host or materials that the host has prepared for its own use. Unlike the scavenger germs in the foregoing article, they do not thrive upon dead tissue or abnormal secretions, but require live flesh or good food materials intended for the metabolism of the host. As there are both sheep and wolves among the animals, so there are both sheep and wolves among the microorganisms. They enter and thrive in and upon apparently healthy bodies, but their presence indicates a lowered resistance, for these undesirables are driven out by innate in a healthy body, by means of secretions. These secretions act as poison to that particular parasite. An example of this is shown by the killing of the tapeworm by innate when adjustments are given. This is also shown by the adaptation of the body against the attack of mosquitoes. Article 188. Epidemics. Epidemics are adverse environmental conditions, which in, which in spreading attack those with similar lack of resistance. These adverse conditions may be bad water, bad weather, bad food, bad air, or poisons of various kinds, including germs. An epidemic attacks those who cannot make sufficient adaptation. This lack of ad adaptation is due to subluxation. If the adverse conditions are exceedingly over, and above the adaptive resistance of healthy people, the tribe had better move. Article 189. Contagion and Infection. A contagious disease is one transmitted from one person to another by direct or indirect contact. An infectious disease is one transmitted from one person to another without direct contact necessarily, but one caused by, by the multiplication of pathogenic germs. These are not chiropractic definitions. Chiropractic states that germs are transmitted from one body to another, and that poisons of a dis-ease in a person may not be transmitted and poison another person with lowered tissue resistance. But chiropractic claims that the germs and the poisons do not cause the dis-ease. 
The cause of the disease, dis-ease, is always in the spine. Interference with transmission causing tissue cells to become unsound gives a breeding ground for germs. They may or may not be present. If they are, they will breed in great numbers if there is enough abnormal tissue and perhaps further poison by the presence of so many of them. Dr. Palmer's analogy of the dead horse and buzzards will apply here. The buzzards are present around the dead horse, but they did not kill the dead horse. Germs are present around dead tissue, but they did not kill the tissue. They are scavengers in the same sense as the buzzards. <clears throat> Article 190. Blood Poison Blood poison is not a tenet of chiropractic. Chiropractic does not believe in blood poisoning as the physician does. That is, that the blood can be diseased as a connective tissue, but believes that blood, as part of the serous circulation, can be laden with poisons. This applies whether the poisons are introduced into or are manufactured within the body. Article 191. Immunity. Immunity is the adaptive resistance of tissue cells because of the constructive survival value they possess. Immunity is the high percentage of adaptability of tissue cells because of their perfection in condition, which requires time and effort to tear down. This perfect condition is dependent upon the perfect transmission of mental impulses. When tissue cells are thus very sound, they are able because of their adaptability and material resources to withstand the invasion of poison better than those not so fortunate. A body so equipped does not catch diseases. The chiropractic way of saying this is that a body immune is not susceptible to poisons of the epidemic kind. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. This has been the Green Book Commentaries Podcast.